What the hell is the name of this thing? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. He tried to get me in mid-chew. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ballsy. I am Evan Grant. Clown number one, Kevin Sherrington, and Mr. Mid-Chew, Barry Horn, have deserted me here, but it leaves me alone for some quality time with our guest, Rangers General Manager, John Daniels, who joins us from Surprise. John, good morning. Evan, how are you, sir? Uh, I'm fine. Uh, Let's get right into this, John, and I think this dovetails well into the fact that I'm not in Surprise at the moment. Are you having more fun at training camp this year than you've ever had before? Yeah, I mean, it's been a it's been a really fun camp all the way around, and I think what makes it stand out is you know the the camaraderie, the the uh, the chemistry, all the little things that are that are going on between the players, between the players and staff, the, the big leagues, minor leagues, the front office. I mean, it's a really good vibe going on. But it's uh, a lot of it's in the the forefront of a lot of work getting done, you know. So it's not, you know, it's not all it's just straight up games and and all that. I mean, there's there's a lot of work getting getting in, um, and we got a lot of good players. Uh, I think when you got that combination of you know talent, chemistry, work ethic, and, and everyone's having a good time together, uh, ultimately I think that bodes well. Yeah, and I, I think for for people who have followed from afar and seen the free throw shooting contest, and or, or have heard about the music being played on the backfields, I think you know there might be some some chance that people would say, okay, are they horsing around? But uh, you watch the work that gets done on the field, um, and and it moves quickly, it moves crisply. Your guys move from field to from one field to another, and, and I think another thing that that's significant is that. It seems like Jeff is very much in tune with the idea of training camp is a long, tedious process, a lot of veterans on this club, and you're going to do what you can to not let this be uh, a beatdown so that this team enters the season fresh rather than feeling like they just finished some kind of ordeal. Yeah, I know that. I think you're even seeing adjustments being made on the fly. Just, just the way, you know, a little thing, the way our position players are getting loose in the morning. It's a little more of like an active warm up rather than the traditional stretch out on the conditioning field. And, um, yeah, just little things to, to take into consideration exactly what you're saying. We've got, you know, a mix of young guys, veteran guys. We've got some guys that have had some injury issues in the past, being mindful of that being tuned in to what each guy individually needs to get ready for the season. You know, some guys need more than others. Some guys need more at-bats. Some guys need more uh, ground balls, reps, etc. And other guys need to, to, to kind of peak at the right time and save the bullet, so to speak. Uh, another thing that's got to make you happy, I would imagine, at this point is the play of prospects. You get to see a lot of them early in camp, and uh, everybody, it, it, it seems like, has really shown up from Mazzara to Gallo to Profar, and, and maybe even a little bit beneath that. But uh, have they surprised you at all with how they've shown up at, at spring? I wouldn't say surprised me on an individual basis. I mean, each guy is doing what you'd hope and what they're capable of. Um, if there's anything that stands out, it's kind of – you touched on a little bit. It's, you know, it's, it's how how big the group is. Um, I mean, we're getting you're seeing some really.
quality things from not just those guys and, and Brinson, that's probably the four guys that people focus on, but you know, Ryan Cordell, Ryan Rua, Drew Robinson, Hanser Alberto, Pat Kivland, James Jones. That group is, is significant, and both in terms of, of uh, numbers, um, how ready they are, how well they're playing, and you, know, you look up and, and you basically have an entire entire second club. Um, so it's that, uh, Brett Nicholas I'd throw in there, you know, another another homegrown guy that has really shown well. So that's the exciting part. Is not just that you know everybody has some prospects, everybody has young talent, but when you've got kind of that, that critical mass that gives a ton of options, not the least of which is, you know, if, when the inevitable injury comes up, the inevitable pickup comes up, you know, we feel good about that, that next group of guys, you know, almost irrespective of position that, uh, you know, we've got a quality person, quality talent to go get. Yeah, I, I think the thing about an 8-3 and three record at the start of spring training that is significant is that it does usually mean that the guys you're bringing into games late in games are a little bit more ahead of uh, of the opponents, whether that's prospects or whether that's real depth options for, for bench spots or things like that. But yeah. I, I think if there's any significance to an early season record in spring training, it, it does show up with the prospects and the depth type, type options. Yeah, I'd say like two things along those lines. One, you can – Kind of a good sign for a scouting development program is how many minor league free agents you need to sign to fill out your AAA roster and fill out your spring training roster. And you know, we've had very few this year, uh, really, with the exception of of uh, you know catcher, almost none as far as guys that we we needed to fill out that AAA club. Uh, so you know, our our, our people, our, our coaches, our Scouts, everybody's done a tremendous job in that regard. The other piece of it, I talked with Michael Young a little bit ago, and he was bringing up in, you know, in 08 and 09 when the second wave would come into games. Mm-hmm. And he remembers thinking, like, you know, the second wave at that time it was Chris Davis and Mitch Moreland and Craig Gentry and Elvis and Holland and Feliz and, and Justin Smoke and, you know, and that crew. And, you know, Michael was saying, like, hey, he remembers thinking, like, uh, there's, there's quite a, there's more than one or two. There's quite a, quite a class coming. And obviously Julio Borbon and those guys ultimately, some of them became like huge contributors. Other guys played roles on, on you know, some very good. And that's what we're hoping we're seeing here right now. Hey, uh, yesterday, and I, was this your? Did Joey Gallo hit your car? Was that your car parked back there? No, the uh, the good people of uh, Enterprise Rental Car will be happy that it was not mine. All right, so Joey hit a car in the parking lot in Tempe, uh, and it obviously excites lots of people because long home runs make people very, very happy. But a week ago, I was telling people on on social media and and whoever contacted me that, hey, the strikeouts early in camp, they really aren't an indicator of anything, that the idea for Joey this spring is to stick to a process and, and, and make progress with that process, even if it doesn't show up in results. So now that he's hitting home runs and getting on base, what is the significance of that? Well, I mean, honestly, for me, it's it's the same. I mean, I, I think we're still in that process. I mean, we, I don't know exactly what he has twenty twenty five plate appearances, I and mean, you really can't base much off that. Um, 
even the strikeouts early on, and he had six punch outs in the first handful of games or week or so, and five of them were looking, right. you know, and I think Joey, Joey was trying to, you know, really focus on, on his pitch, his zone, and, and not expand, and, um, you know, so less results oriented, especially in spring training, but uh, more process and, and focused on, on really the one thing that, that where his head needs to be on the, from the development standpoint. Um, you know, guys that have made the point with Joey, with all players, but especially with Joey, you know he's going to hit home runs. You know he's going to strike out. And I think we as an organization and evaluators and decision makers have to understand that and say, you know what, we're not going to get too high when he hits four or five home runs. And we're not going to get too high when, when he has some strikeouts, too low to me when he has some strikeouts. And, you know, he's 22 years old. He's right where he needs to be. Uh, he's having a good camp. Uh, I think his, his focus pitch-to-pitch on defense has really improved. I know it's something that the staff, Tony and then Bouchelle, work with him on quite a bit. Um, that, that's a big focus area. And, you know, he, he's in a good spot. He's having a good camp. And, you know, when you talk about him not get, about you guys not getting too high or too low with the strikeouts or the home runs, the other important thing for Joey is that he not get too high or low with the strikeouts or home runs. He was so hard on himself last year. Well, you know, when you and I can't really relate to this, but I imagine when you're, you know, 6'5", 250, hit tape measure home runs, and you've been doing that since you were, you know, 16, 17 years old, you know, there's a lot of attention. There's a lot of pressure that comes with that. We, we, we brought him up as a big league last year. Um, and plugged him right in the middle of the lineup and right at double A, and he was you know, kind of an instant focus area uh, for the media and the fans, and understandably so. Um, you know, so some of that is created just by who he is, and some of that's created by you know the positions we put him in. Uh, but I agree with you. I think that that's that's going to be a big a big point. Will be you know us managing that, and then ultimately Joey learning to manage that, like every player has to. Hey, the, the few games I saw before I returned home, Jerks and Profar looked really fabulous in the field, and he looked very locked in at the plate. And, and again, we're not going to judge too much on results there, but how encouraged have you guys been by the fact that he seems to show up every day and ready to throw without any real residual shoulder pain? Oh, it's a good feeling, man. It's, uh, that's the only thing. I think that's really the only thing that, that we needed to see this spring was that he's healthy. And I think he's, he's demonstrated that. He goes out and he does his program every day. Um, yesterday he made a throw from the hole at shortstop, you know, came up over the top and, and threw a strike to first base. Um, those, are, those are the only things we need to see at this point. You know, he's missed two years of a bat, two years of rep. So there's going to be some – you know, uh, some growth here that, that he's going to need to go through, and he will. But as long as he's healthy, you know, the rest of it will come. He's still just 23 years old. He still has, a you know, the, the same feel for the game. He can hit. Uh, he's happy playing. The rest of it will come back here in time as he gets the at-bats and reps he needs. He just, in, in talking to us uh, in, in the media, he just seems – he seems more confident and assured of himself than he has really, even since the day he first came up to the big league. So I, I think he's also made a big step in terms of, of just kind of peace of mind there. Uh, I wanted to touch base with you on the third baseman. The, um, 
uh, you guys have been very clear, and Adrian's been very clear that that there is mutual desire there to to get a contract extension done. Uh, there have been some reports that that uh, I believe John Heyman reported this week that. Uh, they were seeking a three-year contract, and without getting into details and without negotiating publicly, is there anything uh, beyond the fact that both sides have have announced a mutual desire to extend this relationship that gives you real optimism that you'll be able to get something done with Adrian before the season begins? Not at this point. I mean, I think you just you just spelled it out, but uh, it just really the biggest thing I would say, and really the only thing of importance I would say is that uh, we want him here and he wants to be here. And and equally importantly, he's going to be here. You know, certainly this year, uh, you know, anchoring a, what we hope to be a very good club. We expect to be a very good club. So beyond that, I don't think it does anybody any good to, to get into it publicly. Sure, sure. Um, we have not had a chance to get with you since the, the Ian Desmond signing. So I just wanted to ask you one question that, that stuck out to me about Desmond that I really haven't I, I, I haven't kind of flushed out all the way. You know, at, at the time that you signed Desmond, it was, uh, I think, two or three days after Fowler had si- re-signed with the Cubs. Austin Jackson was still out there. Ian obviously falls into your lap at, at, at $8 million dollars. Was there any consideration to Fowler or Jackson at that point in time since they were, you know, quote-unquote natural outfielders? We did talk some with uh, with Jackson, um, not really with Fowler uh, at that point. Just because was Fowler just kind of cost prohibitive in that situation? Uh, yeah, and I think for what we uh, – I think that the, the – Deal that he took with uh, the Cubs, one of his, you know, more than than Desmond, um, and uh, that too. And I think that was less than he would have looked for elsewhere. You know, he went back to his club and a very good team with the Cubs for less than he would have looked for in the market. Kind of a comfort situation for him as well. Um, I would assume so. And I, I, the other piece of it is from a, you know, from a uh, fit standpoint. I know that right-hand power with Ian um, and then everything we heard about his makeup uh, which a few weeks in looks to be as advertised or maybe even a little bit better and we just we just really like the fit with Ian in particular how um how has that whole fit process worked it I know it's been a while he's only gotten one fly ball in left field but what are you seeing from Ian Desmond that that really uh, stands out to you how he's fit in the clubhouse, um, the way he's gone about his work on the field. I mean, he's really getting after it. I think we said at the time, you know, there were a lot of questions. Is this guy going to be okay in left field? And I said, no, he's not going to be okay. He's going to be well above average. I think this guy's going to be a legitimate plus defensively. And the early return, just even just in, in the way he's gone about his work, I know, you know, fans may say, well, he only has one fly ball. If you watch him in early work, working with, with Wayne Murphy and Jace Tingler, the way he goes through these drills, you don't see long-time outfielders look that natural and easy. And um, obviously it'll have to play out in the field, but feel really good about that piece of it. Uh, he looks to be somewhat freed up. Uh, he's motivated. Uh, he wants to win. He's really fitting in with the, with the core of this team. So kind of a lot of boxes we're excited about. 
The thing for me that, that really kind of gives me confidence about this move is I just get the feeling in talking with Ian that he is committed to this move. That it may not have been you know his first choice at, at the start of the off season, but I think when you look at some of the other middle infielders that have ended up moving to the outfield. They were basically told they have to move to the outfield. I don't know that their hearts were ever in it. I get the impression from this guy that he is really committed to being the best possible outfielder he can be. I think that's a huge piece of it, that he is locked in and committed. And the other one is those guys, a lot of those guys that have been brought up to me, Soriano, Hanley Ramirez, man, they don't, from like a straight athleticism ease of action, you know, the way their bodies work, it's not even close to, to where, you know, what Ian brings to the table. Um, and I think I said at the time, all of our, like, old scouting reports dating back, you know, four or five, six years on Ian, our scouts have always said, hey, this guy, if he ever played, you know, the outfield, he talked about center field, if he ever played center field, that he would be really good at it. Just the kind of the way, you know, certain athletes' bodies work for what the demands of the position that uh, our guys thought it would be a natural. Now he's got to go out there and do it, but have some confidence that he will. Uh, hey, John, before we wrap up, two very quick, one very quick thing here. Um, do we have a schedule or a tentative schedule for when you Darvish may face a hitter? Will that happen before the end of spring, do you think? Uh, we haven't released that yet. Kind of taking it day by day, uh, outing by outing. He's actually just through a bullpen here while we were talking and, and uh, looked very good, but um, we're going to hold on to that until you know, he's ready to get there just so that, you know, if we tweak the schedule up or down, either way, it's not, you know, viewed as an issue. You don't want to create a public panic on on that front, but he has looked yeah, very good exactly. in all that, right? Yeah, knock on wood, he has. I mean, there's, uh, again, we're not in a rush with this one. We're going to be, we're going to make sure we get it right first and foremost, get him right. Um, but by all accounts, uh, it's going very well. All right. So last thing, my takeaways when I left camp on, uh, last Tuesday were that, uh, this was a, this was a team having fun, that there was a good vibe. I, I felt that your manager was, was more comfortable, uh, in his role than he was a year ago. And certainly, uh, felt much, uh, more at ease with, with the coaching staff. I felt like your prospects had really showed up well, and I felt like with the with the late signings of Guthrie, uh, Drew Stubbs, and Desmond, you had addressed a, a lot of lingering depth issues, and and it makes me feel like this team is is quite deep. So, so I'm sitting here kind of at the midpoint of spring training, and I'm wondering, aside from health, what is your biggest concern right now? Um, health. <laughs> uh. I mean, I think areas on the club that you would look at and say we're, you know, that uh, I think we're, we have we should be good everywhere. But a couple areas that maybe aren't quite as deep as others. Um, you know, starting pitching, you can never have enough, and, and catching. You know, we saw that firsthand last year, and uh, so those would be probably two areas that you know I, I see potential exposure at. But at the same time, really like the guys we have in camp, and as long as you know, they play to their ability to stay healthy. We feel good about those areas as well. All right, John. Well, I know your your kids have just arrived, and I know you're you're looking forward to having your other child in in me return shortly. Um, uh, this has been great. Uh, I'm I'm sure that it's been a, a real pleasure for you to not have to deal with Barry and Kevin. Yeah, 
No doubt. No doubt. Not a coincidence that they bailed on this one. All right. Well, we will see you out there on Tuesday, and um, thanks for the time this week on, on the podcast. All right. Thanks, man. Well, there goes John Daniels. Uh, I, I I do have to say that three weeks, three and a half weeks into this training camp, uh, there really is a, a good feeling around this team, and and I think for me, so much so much of it centers around the depth uh, that they've added, and that appears to be either close to or major league ready with the prospects such as Gallo and and Profar. Uh, and Mazzara uh, and Lewis Brinson. Um, uh, there's still going to be a little bit of a gap with some of the, the young pitching prospects. I don't know that you can count on a Luis Ortiz or a Dylan Tate at any point in time this year to potentially help this pitching staff, but the Rangers are hoping that that uh, that Darvish will be ready um, in uh, late May, early June. Uh, that that will represent a, a big upgrade. Uh, Jeremy Guthrie has pitched well early in camp. Both Chichi Gonzalez and, and Nick Martinez have pitched as the Rangers expected, which is uh, kind of uh, on the verge of, of being major league pitchers. I don't know that either one of them or that it's even possible for either one of those two guys to have delivered a quote-unquote knockout punch at this point in time. In Guthrie, you've got a guy who's a veteran. Uh, you get have a little bit more of a track record. And, and so I think where Martinez and, and Chi-Chi, uh, the decision on them will be made late in camp, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to matter when they, when they face lineups a second and maybe you know even a third time and uh, how they fare. I, I do think that you, if you listen to John Daniels this offseason, you heard him talk about uh, wanting – to see a little bit more of Chi-Chi's stuff, and I think early on he did show that. Uh, but uh, and, and on Nick Martinez, I think this is a guy who uh, really has an idea of how to pitch, but he's got such a small margin for error uh, that he's going to have to be really, really true with his delivery and, and really, really good with his location. Uh, and I expect both of them to pitch in the Rangers rotation at some point in time this year. Don't know if either one of them opens the season with the Rangers, but I do think that uh, as as a team, absolutely has a eight to ten man starting rotation pool. Both of those guys, both of those guys, fit in and, and fit in well, uh, and it it kind of goes to the idea of depth. If you look around this club right now, you have uh, behind Mitch Moreland, you have Ryan Rua and Justin Ruggiano at first base. At second base, behind Odor. You have Alberto, who is considered a major league capable defensive second baseman, and possibly Profar. At shortstop, you definitely have Profar and Alberto. At third base, you've got Gallo. In left field, you've got behind Desmond, you've got Mazzara, and you've got the possibility of Josh Hamilton and Ruggiano and Rua. In center field, you may be a little bit more thin, but James Jones and it has showed up really, really well in spring training. Uh, you've got James Jones and you've got Lewis Brinson. And in right field, you, you, you go to the same kind of depth options that you had uh, on, on, the, uh, on the left side. So uh, this team is set up very well, providing they can stay healthy going into the season. Uh, and, and I think the Rangers did adjust late 
and, and adjust well to take advantage of, of some uh, potential bargains out there like uh, like Ian Desmond. Um, they have three more weeks to get ready for opening day. Uh, and I don't think there are a whole lot of decisions to be made at this point in time beyond uh, the fifth starter and a couple of spots on the bench that will go to outfielders. I think there are three scenarios that they could they could pursue for outfielders. Uh, they've got to have one guy who can be a first base option and hit from the right side, and that's either Ryan Ruer or Justin Ruggiano. They've got to have one guy who can play some center field and play it well as a defensive, uh, either a defensive substitution for Delino DeShields or defensive substitution for Ian Desmond in left field and who could, you know, do some pinch running. That's Drew Stubbs or, or James Jones. Uh, I, I do think that Jones, having played as well as he does uh, or as well as he has, and the fact that he hits left-handed certainly gives you the option of having a left-handed hitting center fielder occasionally against some tough left-handers. That's something that he's got over Drew Stubbs. But on the other end of that spectrum, if you go with, uh, if you were to go with two young guys, Rua and Jones, and, and they both have minor league options, but if you have to send one of them out when Josh Hamilton comes back, or if you have to send one of them out for lack of, uh, for lack of success, you've diluted your, uh, your depth, if because if you get rid of Justin Ruggiano, if you get rid of Drew Stubbs, you potentially get rid of them permanently and don't have the option of sending them to the minor leagues. So, so from my perspective, I think what the Rangers are leaning to right now in the outfield is one veteran and one youngster, and that gives them a little bit of a hedge, and it gives them one speed guy and one first base option, depending on how they they set those up. The other decision to be made is one last reliever. I really think Andrew Faulkner has an inside track on that because the Rangers have six relievers pretty much locked in, and um, all of them are one-inning guys. There's one left-hander. Faulkner is a second left-hander who could also give you multiple innings. So he serves really two roles and in some ways makes a seven-man bullpen the effect of an eight-man bullpen. Uh, so I think that's something that the Rangers will look at very long and hard here uh, over the final three weeks of the of, of spring training. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting back out there. Uh, I'm also looking forward, believe it or not, to having Kevin and Shara, Kevin and Barry join me again next week. Uh, I will call in from surprise with some kind of guests. And uh, thank you guys for listening. I know it wasn't full of jokes and everything, but Barry and Kevin give me plenty of material usually when they're in the office in the office. Thanks again to John Daniels. Thank you for listening to Ballsy. Uh, please remember that our Cowboys podcast this week featured David Moore in a breakdown of free agency. And our college podcast was our college basketball NCAA tournament podcast featured final four picks from Chuck Carlton, as well as breaking down the Texas and big 12 teams. Give that a listen. Uh, give us a follow at, at Ballsy, B-A-L-L-Z-Y podcast at Dal uh, on Twitter at Ballsy Podcast. Until next week, I'm Evan Grant. So long, everybody.